Hello and welcome to Theoretically Theatrical. In this series, we peek behind the curtain and explore the world of performance. We're very lucky to chat to the wonderful Hannah Cooper about her practice. She's a theatrical performer with remarkable range and creativity. She frequently utilises techniques from filmmaking and game development for her work. Well, hello and, and thank you for speaking with me today. <laughs> no worries at all. <laughs> Grand. So, um, can you would, you, would you mind starting by telling us a little bit about yourself? So, I am an upcoming practitioner. I've been doing contemporary theatre since my undergrad, so since I was 18. And I think that's, I guess, where my speciality is, especially with um, video um mm. sound and and theatre work. I like to find kind of the cross section between those three. I kinda <laughs> like things that are a bit chaotic within theatre as well, I guess. <laughs> you got that you got that chaotic energy. I do. I have to <laughs> have to get it out somehow. <laughs> so I think this is a very healthy way to do that. So um you you mentioned you began seriously performing in your undergrad. Did you do much before, like amateur performing before then or yeah, so I, I've been doing, like, dramas and, like, musicals since I was, like, uh, five, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I did dance lessons, I did singing, and everything that I could do within school I did, and then did out of school, mm-hmm. and then did all the musicals in college and stuff. And then even in my undergrad, I did, like, a theatre society. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was acting and, and got to go to the French for, like, three, four years. Ooh. But I would say there's a difference between my, like... Um, how do I put it, like, drama performances and then kind of maybe performing for, like, a more contemporary kind of vibe. Um, mm. Kind of like groups like Girls Gone and Forced End, kind of they have a specific performance style, which differs a little bit. Mm. So I say I've been doing performance since I was, like, five, but then a specific style, I guess, since I was about 18. Yeah, so you've been, uh, you, you, found, you found your way to a, a type of performance that really energised you. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Gob Squad. Are they, are, are they some of the people that creatively inspire you? And do you have other creative inspirations? Oh, 100%. I, not to be a bit biased, but I think Gob Squad are my favourite uh, <laughs> company. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they do a lot of work with cameras and um, setting themselves up to fail with like impossible tasks. So I love the way they do that. And also they came to Lancaster Uni, so I got to spend like a week with them. Oh. Doing, like, workshops with them. I know, it was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a uh, company like that, um, Forsten, Punch Drunk, um, I, I'd kill to see a Punch Drunk show. Mm. Um, and then maybe like Imitating the Dog, because uh, they do a lot of tech heavy shows and it's so precise and clean, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe out of theatre because I think it's really important that when you're kind of in art you look beyond your own art does that make sense yeah yeah no completely um I like to look towards like art and and video games and podcasts and music um Mm. stuff like Pally Hall or the Magnus Archives or kind of Cosmic Horror Mm -hmm. um I think it's really interesting and it's really good to see how it like manifests in different art forms Yes, definitely. I, I think it was, yeah, I think it was you that recommended the Magnus Archives to me, and I just, I just got completely absorbed by them. It's so good, isn't it? It's, it's a good <laughs> I, I binged it every time I was walking to uni. Uh, I was like, okay, well, I can listen to another two now. Then I'll get too dark because I'll get scared. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pick a slightly cheerier podcast for the yeah. for the walk back. <laughs> if he sticks, I'm like, I don't want to hear about like a murderous spider. I will change over. <laughs> 
That's, that's a good barometer. <laughs> Grat, yeah, but I do know what you mean about um, drawing uh, and uh, drawing on the creative juices of other of other um, mediums because the, I guess the, the, it explores things that you, if you're thinking inside your own niche, certain things won't occur to you. Do you have any uh, recurring themes or messages in the work you like to make? I guess over my bit of my undergrad and then my master's this year I did I did work with dreamscapes which I think is really interesting mm-hmm. trying to put the um the dream world on stage and kind of all the kind of almost uncanny horror that comes about like teeth falling out actually last night honestly I had a dream where all my teeth fell out and I was like oh my god this is this again horrible <laughs> and I woke up I was like just checking them again um, uh-huh. do a lot with failure as well I think because failure is such a good parameter in performance because just because something fails if you fail to do a task it doesn't mean the performance is going to stop mm. it means that the performer and the audience have to kind of take it in a new way and it's these kind of frantic kind of manic attempt to try and do something that's impossible mm. it's really interesting to see how that plays out mm. and so I really like it do you think that's more conducive uh, to an exciting performance yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I'm probably biased because I don't really like slower type of, I couldn't, I probably couldn't sit through like a duration of performance. That is just me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, shout out to, yeah, Robert Wilson probably was like 11 hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I like kind of the manic ones um, because mm-hmm. it, I kind of feel it with the performance in a way. Um, but it's always good to have traps and peaks. You can't be, you can't be manic. Like yeah, hour. because that just becomes the new plateau. If that's exactly, just, yeah. yeah. So that's an interesting balance you have to strike between um, really uh, getting the most out of those manic moments and then knowing how to rein yourself back in. Does that happen in your development process a lot? Yeah. Um, so I think like a piece that I did this this year, um, last with masters, whatever. <laughs> what have I just learned? This academic um, year. <laughs> this yeah, this very first year. Um, ah. um, there's one, and it was with three other people, and it's called "This Doesn't Work." And there was a bit where we were like, "Now we're going to go absolutely feral," and then they're like, well, "How do we? How do we stop?" And it, it's it's very hard because you kind of get stuck mm. in figuring out how to stop and that kind of stops the whole rehearsal process mm. so you have to creatively think of ways to stop yeah. that makes sense? <laughs> yeah no yeah that that's that's really interesting what was the solution you eventually came up with a lot of experimentation <laughs> I think I think um if someone was like I made this piece and it's the first everything was like the first thought that happened they're probably lying uh uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> lying to you. Um, <laughs> it just requires a lot of experimentation, tweaking, and and then having outside eyes, like recording your performance process, mm. watching it back, and being like, "Oh, that was good," or "Oh, I think that was a bit terrible." <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This style, it's 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 more focused on not that words aren't important to it, but there's a lot of movement base to to the work that to, to the work of yours I've seen do you would you mm. agree yeah um I think my work can be considered kind of post-dramatic mm-hmm. I mean in a way because I don't in my work I don't really um value not so much words but narrative I would say or kind of dialogue um mm-hmm. finding out too much about like the character on stage because it usually isn't a character it's usually a 
performer, like mm. a version of myself or whoever else is acting. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's definitely more fragmented. <laughs> you have to kind of focus on the um, the energy, the emotions, the um, the way that that goes in. You, yeah, but I guess that that when you when you sit down to rehearse, or when you sit down to uh, well, sit down, stand up to rehearse. Um, what what how do you approach a new idea, a, a new thing you want to explore? Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think usually I always start off with um, visual ideas. That's how I get. The ideas for most of my pieces is kind of having lots of drawings. Mm. And then I will try and storyboard that together mm. in a way that would make... Like, I almost take, like, each drawing and then try and make a timeline of piece. Mm-hmm. So that could be rearranged. And then from that, I'll figure out what sound needs to go here, what kind of uh, visuals could go here, what kind of text could go here, how can it be spoken. Um, mm. And then kind of... It's it's a bit like a jigsaw, I would say. Like, I'm layering it up and layering it up and then... Once it comes to like maybe filming it, because a lot of my work is done with film, then I'll have like every single storyboard, and I'll always have the soundtrack to go underneath because it would have been developed from the images and stuff. Mm. Um, so a very complicated uh, age is telling up jigsaw. <laughs> I would say. Yeah, it's very, it's almost collage like. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, are there any aspects of performance in general? that you particularly like and are there any aspects that you dislike? Technology, 100%. Mm. Um, I like things with game structures. That's why I quite like punch drug. Punch mm. drug? Punch <laughs> drug. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, I, I, really, I like interactive bits. I'm a sucker for, um, I don't know what it's called. You know when you go on Ghost Wars? Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. I love that because I love the interactivity of it all because um, I used to go to one in Liverpool called Shiverpool and I went like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> Shiverpool. I loved it so much. What was it about? Um, it, Shiverpool is an amazing name, by the way. <laughs> it's... it's so good. Um, <laughs> but what, 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 what was it about their performances that really got you, got you excited for it? I think, honestly, it's because they used to bully the audience. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pretense here. They just like, oh, you're a bit stupid. I was like, God, this is good. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's probably not the best, uh, but I oh, had a good time. That's um, good. They, they, they effectively negged the audience. Yeah. But it was like, it was really spooky because it was at night and there used to be another person that would hide like, behind cars. <laughs> 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 And that was like my favorite bit. So I like I like things with interactivity for sure. Yeah. Um, and what I don't like, I don't know. I think what I don't like comes from my own biases, you know. And that's with everyone, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess when theatre is too aware of itself, that it kind of loses the meaning. Kind uh-huh. of like maybe when you're starting in a university degree, and they're like, make a contemporary piece of performance, and they're like, this is theatre, <laughs> and I'm not going to do this because we do this, and it's like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... We can have some subtlety. <laughs> I am aware I'm watching a show, but I don't really think that too much. I like plays. I guess I wouldn't create a play, I suppose, is my creative process. Like, I like watching them, but yeah. interesting and making them, probably not. Yeah, because to be fair, that was that was something that you did a lot before you found the area that you really want to explore, you know, for now. Was there this element of dissatisfaction when you were being part of creating a play? Because was it something to do with 
other people's words, not being authentic to your experience? Because I got to do quite a lot of different sides within the production. Like I did like directing and stage managing, producing and acting like, oh, wow. within the society. Mm. <laughs> I didn't have any other social life apart from the society. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. It's not all good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I enjoyed it. I loved acting. And I think my favourite thing I did was like a play called Proof, which is about maths. Not uh-huh. my strong suit. Um, <laughs> I think the structure of putting out like a kind of linear narrative and then thinking about why these characters have these motivations and then kind of grounding it mostly in realism. I'd rather see someone go batshit, so I suppose <laughs> that's what I prefer to do. Yeah, that's fair. Less narrative things. That's fair. That, that's, it, it's, also, it's also very interesting. Um, so uh, that I suppose that leads me to... If you had an infinite budget, infinite time, oh. what what would your dream performance to create be? I'd like to do, I'd like to work with other people. Mm. Um, so that really is dreaming in it at the moment. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> I would love to do something massive, something something with loads of screens, something with loads of props, something with gorgeous costumes. But in a way, kind of like my dream is. Gosford did this performance, uh, War and Peace, mm. and it's they have to. It was them trying to retell and get everyone to understand War and Peace and every single complexity of that that mm. book within like an hour. Um, so they had like a thing where they had like a banquet and it was like the French salons and they had all these projections and stuff and it was absolutely insane the amount of different directions that it took. And, uh-huh. um, obviously, it's step to fail. You can't. I still actually don't know what the the book is about. <laughs> But, <laughs> my God, did I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That ties into their ideas of they're trying something and they almost know they're going to fail, but they're doing it anyway. Yeah, they, they call it tilting at windmills, which I think is quite a good phrase. Ah, that's very clever, yeah. It's like a really deep exploration, like really just trying to, I guess, push the boundaries would, would be a pretty good way of putting that. Yeah, I, I'd want to find something that's impossible to do with other people and then just give it like my best go, but have but try and do it in so many different ways within like intermediality, within sound, within like these weird bits of movement that you know you're not good enough to do. But you're uh-huh. gonna have to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, I guess I think in one way you have to be very brave to approach a performance with that amount of energy. You've got to work yourself up and be ready to almost take a bit of a leap of faith. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have your looks in trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Just jumping jacks up before you go on stage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because uh, I think everybody talks about um, in conventional theatre that, that moment before you step on stage, that slight catch in your chest or like, oh, I'm about to do this. Oh, it's a bit scary, but then you can, it's, you're, you're feeling that as you take the step. So before you can get properly frightened, you're on stage and you've got to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I imagine that's tenfold with something like this. Uh, yeah, like the only experience that I could <laughs> that I could relate to was like this year when we had like our um, contemporary devising practices, like just before we we'd gone on to do them. But I had food poisoning when we <laughs> no. were doing it. Oh no! <laughs> and everyone was like, "Wow, honey, you look really nervous." And I was like, "Yeah, it's because I think I'm going to be sick." <laughs> Oh no! And then I had to run around and put like banana and put blood in my hair. So it's definitely about getting the like done, no matter the circumstances. Yeah, that's, 
it's on in one way that's a very I think I would say that was a sensible visceral reaction to that. So I suppose it added authenticity to the performance. It's a bit like when uh, artists and portrait artists became so good that there was really nowhere else to go, and then the camera came along, and so that spurned people. That spurred. That's the wrong word. It spurred people to go into more abstract ways. Do you think that the way the theatre world has been developing is kind of encouraging? young performers to go well we've gone to the heights of realism we've gone to the heights of actors who are portraying very realistic portrayals of human life do you think that maybe is why we're we're kind of looking in different directions now yeah yeah 100% um because I think that you can have a definite mastery of this realism and uh, the words of like the old contemporaries and stuff and like Shakespeare and Marlowe and then all the new ones and stuff like that Mm. and then I think specifically, specifically now within like this kind of climate, when um, the arts being sort of not to be political, the arts being so chronically underfunded by uh-huh. the government, mm-hmm. it's not leaving a lot of space for theatre to develop in like a, a natural way. We're not going to have access to theatre spaces. We're not going to have access to money or funding. So mm. what? What we need to think about now is what can we actually get from the space where we're not allowed to and. A good way of looking at it is thinking about digital culture. So mm-hmm. performances set in VR or across gaming platforms, things, companies like Blast Theory, who did like a machine to see with, they did it across phones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's finding the new ways of communicating and these new perspectives from digital culture uh, where we can escape into and look for new ways to perform and communicate and cross audience and perform boundaries kind of thing and spatial temporal boundaries I think that's 100% where theatre has to develop to if it wants to continue that's a fantastic way of looking at it because we all nearly all have little windows little windows into the virtual world that we all swim in and what a fantastic use of them to to do what maybe our theatrical predecessors had more license to do with repertory theatres and performance spaces that were made freely accessible to them. Our, maybe it's that our generation needs to just take the wonderful gift that we have with both hands and just really go for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I think so, because um, we all have... Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll put we all have, like, access to some sort of technology. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. it used to be kind of being seen as, like, all oh, these youngins on their phones, they're going to waste their life away, and it's and it's kind of this negative stereotype. And especially now, it's like, we've got nothing to do. <laughs> we've got to look forward to it in a positive way. So, like, even with VR, I think they were doing um, uh, some studies, and it helped um, uh, people kind of calm down. They did uh, experiments... Um, and then it helped people who had um, autistic meltdowns, um, sometimes if they're struggling, that they would use VR to create a new environment. And it gives people a calming perspective, a new perspective of seeing things, and just the um, the way technology can aid people. And it can change our perspectives, because usually within a digital culture, we're expected to perform and be on and all the time. We're not specifically performing within theatre, but perform as a part of society, as a part of like your job and stuff, and you always mm. have to be attentive. Mm-hmm. But what actually can these technologies have in calming 
people or forming new relationships that you didn't think were possible or bridging the gap between people that can't see each other or even speak the same language. It has so many positive things that I think we need to look into. Yes, I, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And I suppose in a way, lockdown has encouraged some very interesting um, artistic expressions. Um, it feels like every time I go on Instagram, there's something new and exciting that people are using this time and these constrictions that we've been put under, these constraints, to really explore something. So you get you get choirs who are all virtual now, but you also get uh, artists who are using just the, the, the using the rooms, the spaces they're in to create. I think it's a almost even though we're financially suffering and that's terrible we're also in a way creatively flourishing there's no other choice but to flourish i mean you can you can either not continue or mm. you can kind of evolve with the times and i think that's what artists are doing yeah that's amazing so <laughs> <laughs> just getting very philosophical in here <laughs> yeah, not against politics but <laughs> um so would do you have any words of advice for new performers? They, they, and they don't have to be young, but like people who are coming to performance. Huh. Um, I would say uh, experiment because there's a lot of different styles of performance out there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and there's you know if you're into it, there's gonna be one for you. Like you can do anything in performance. You can you can code games. You can create sound. You landscape, lightingscapes, and stuff. You can act in naturalistic plays. You can act in bonkers, bonkers plays. Like whatever you want to do, <laughs> there's something out there. I just say experiment. I guess. Yeah, push yourself because uh, theatre theatre is limitless. So mm. you're gonna find something you enjoy. Oh, that's so uplifting. <laughs> is there uh, somewhere people could go to see more of your work if they if they were interested? On the Glasgow site, uh, Space Between Us, mm. you say, whatever it is, um, my work is called uh, Starring Someone Just Like Me. Well, thank you so much for speaking to me today. Oh, no worries. Thanks for, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. You can see more of Hannah's work at The Space Between Us. I'll provide a link to their website in the show notes. If you want to suggest or submit a short story or subject that you'd like us to cover, then contact us through our Facebook page. And subscribe if you would like to hear more. This has been a Yorick Radio production.